Hi, everyone, and welcome to How the Light Gets In, where we seek to have conversations that crack through the dark. I'm Haven, and I'm really happy you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi. Um, Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, two minutes late to my own podcast. You're fine. You're fine. Just super excited that this is even happening because literally this is why I had the gumption if you will to even start the podcast sure because I was like if I start having conversations with people which I love doing anyways yeah then I get to talk to a lot of (laughs) well here I am (laughs) Here I am. Be careful what you wish for, uh, because it might come true. Listen, it's going to be great. (laughs) Careful what I wish for. (laughs) That's funny, because one of my questions was at the end, jokingly, was like, can I say we're friends now? You're great. You're great. I I can feel like, yay, we're friends. Do it. Do it. Okay, so I can see <laughs> the questions fine, you're now. Fine, you're good. I feel good. <laughs> great, great, great. First question is always, how is everything? How is life going for you? I mean, I know you're freaking busy. I am a little bit busy. It's true. Um, but uh, but it's kind of a good busy. Like I think it's a uh, yeah. I like you know I have my family. I have uh, a lot of. I have my job. I am juggling a lot of really great stories. I'm doing a lot of other kinds of projects on the side that I'm trying to, you know, um, Tinkerbell into existence. I am. Uh, I am. Yeah. I don't know. There's just like there's always a million things, but it's it's fun. There's someone uh, who I really like who. Uh, she was talking about um, TV writing, but I feel this about podcasting too, where it's like, um, it's kind of like the whole thing is a big pie eating competition. And the the prize at the end, if you win, is more pie. Uh, and so it's like, you just get to like, I, I love making stories. I do it. I do it. And I do it the best I can. And with a great team that I love and we make it as best we can and then it's like oh, okay great now you get to do more that's that's the reward um yeah so I, anyway but i like it i really like it and i i feel really grateful to be able to do um as much as i can yeah that is awesome and i totally am with you there make stories or put out all the stories and then at the end you get to have more stories yeah 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 exactly and it's great yeah yeah, it is. It really is. Like, because I, I, I don't know. There are there are just so many stories out there, and there's so many stories out there that you find that you're like, oh, I just want to tell this to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then I, I actually get to. Exactly. Yes. This this is why I felt like we would connect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Connected. Get it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard. That that word, I feel like I uh, it's one of those things that like when we were making it, like it just it kept you can't not use it. It's like a too important a word. Uh, right. Yeah. So I was going to try to do this myself because it's being the host. But mm-hmm, sure. Um, but I feel like you would be just so much better at no, it. No, like, you do it. Whatever it is, you should do it. This is your show. Well, yes. I wanted to ask you. Sure. If you were to summarize what you do Mm -hmm. for people who are not like me or not not obsessive when they like something (laughs) that they think is cool yeah Uh, how would you can you even summarize how do you yeah yeah sure i'm 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 a i'm a i'm a professional nerd uh i uh i am a journalist i'm a storyteller i like to tell true stories and uh, stories that require a lot of kind of obsessive research, uh, stories that not a lot of other people are telling. I often tell those stories in uh, as podcasts, but I've also told those stories kind of on TV and magazines and newspapers. And so I'm kind of a little bit 
medium agnostic, but I, I, I just like to tell stories. I like to, I like to find stuff that nobody else is really paying attention to. And then, um, yeah. And then like get really excited about it and tell the story to a lot of people. That is a really good way to, yeah. Cause I totally see that that's what you do. You meant being a journalist telling, telling stories. Mm-hmm. What, um, led to that, the interest in that for you? I think, uh, I think as a kid, I, I, I was always drawn to science. I like, you know, I like learning things. I like, uh, yeah, learning things about the natural world, learning things about my body, learning things about the universe, learning things about, I always liked that kind of thing. And then by the time I got to high school, I think, uh, especially the early years of high school, like I, I, I realized I was like, oh, science is not what I like. I I don't really like it. Uh, like it didn't feel like it was uh, for me. It didn't feel like like I like it. Sort of the kind of meticulous lab work and the um. I was like, oh, this. Th- I feel so detached actually from the thing that I'm actually interested in. Um, and so I kind of soured on science for for a long time. And then when I got to um university. I took a history of science class and it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, like I, I was taking it because I had like a, a like a course requirement th- box I needed to check off or whatever. And I was like, I, it was not a subject that I thought I was interested in at all. I, I was a theater kid. I liked the arts. And then um, I took this history of science class and I completely fell in love with it. And then I became a research assistant for the professor because I just needed a like a student job, basically. And um, and yeah, and I just completely fell in love with the field. And and the thing that I loved so much about it was I was like, oh, this is science. It has all the kind of questions about the natural world and our bodies and ourselves and da 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 all that stuff. Um, but it also was stories about people. And I was like, oh, I get stories about people. Like, it's so much easier to remember a person's story than it is, you know, Boyle's Law or something. Like, it like it just felt like a much more intuitive way to, like, it still sort of scratched the itch of like, oh, I want to think about the, the big natural world um, while also... Yeah, well, also just like telling stories, which is what drew me to theater. And, you know, uh, so so it was kind of that combo where I was like, oh, I can do this thing I love without doing the like, like the lab work stuff that I don't have the patience for. But like I, I, and I can, I can tell it as a story. And I was like, oh, that bingo, like that's the combo that I just, that of things that I like in a way that I can get. Um, and, and, and in a way that I can tell other people and I think get them excited about too. Yeah, absolutely. I've, like, again, I found that too, is like, if something isn't really exciting in the way that it's presented, just tell it as a story. Yeah. And yeah. it yeah. instantly becomes, oh, this is cool. Yeah, because I, I I really do think we're we're kind of we're sort of storytelling creatures, you know. Like I I do think we're sort of primed for it. We are we are um we pay attention to people in a way that we don't pay attention to um to other things and and people's stories, and we can kind of imagine our way into them. It's a lot easier to imagine your way into being a person uh, than it is into being a, you know, a, a mollusk at the bottom of the sea or something. Yeah. And so, so when you start to tell stories in that way, like I, I think people hook in a lot easier. Yeah. Including myself. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. On the topic of stories, kind of, mm-hmm. um, one of the, my favorite things that you do that I've been thought, which is so cool is yeah. at least like, really intricate deep dives on social media a lot about mm. like yeah how things are connected to different things and yeah. like for example my favorite one i think is like how the agriculture of right. certain states yeah influences the politics of that right and it right right just blew my mind when <laughs> i was reading it and it made so much sense thanks um and so, <laughs> honestly, I just wanted to know, do you plan those? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. is it something that you're just like, I know this thing and it's exciting. Well, that that <laughs> story, that was one that um, 
it's funny because it's it's very much tied to that's kind of like an election story. So I was like, okay. So 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 I actually first heard it. It was around. I think it must have been around the 2012 election when I first heard it, um, and I got really. 2012 or maybe 2016 something no 20 2012 it must have been and uh i got really really interested in it so that that story um uh i had heard about it kind of in a prior election and then we never did the story and i just always kept thinking about it. i was like this is an incredible story and i would just kind of read about it and i would be like how does i would tell people about it and nobody ever everyone i was told they never heard about it before and i was like this is really interesting um and then it's funny, I had actually pitched that story as one that we should do for my for my Netflix show. Um, and they were like, ah, it's like it feels a little too like I think they they wanted the show to be very global. And that they were like, that story feels like a little too American. And it has to do with kind of like electoral politics and stuff, which is like very complicated to the rest of the world. So they were like, nah, that's not really a great episode for for this so i was like okay so then i pitched it to radio lab and radio lab was like because nah. because i had done a bunch of more uh research on it too about the kind of civil rights movement and trying to tie it to this and that and the other thing um and uh and then radio lab was like ah it sort of is good but we don't know if we can radio lab stories take a little while so they were like we don't know by the time i remembered it they were like oh we don't know if this would be we could do this in time for the election and also like so much of it is so visual um because and to me, I I really do think the power of the story is in looking at those maps uh, mm -hmm. and looking at the maps like kind of right one on top of each other, basically. And so I was like, oh, this is great. And it's very visual. And actually, the funny thing with that one was that that was like there were just a few days until the election. Maybe it was like a week before the election. And I was like, I have this story and it's amazing. And no one's going to care about it after the election. And everyone's going to care about it before the election. And I need to put it somewhere. And so then I was just like, okay, Twitter is sort of my place where if I can't figure out another home for an idea, that's I'll just put it there. And um, and uh, and that Twitter thread in particular, like that's a really long Twitter thread. Like most people don't write or read Twitter threads that uh, tweet threads that long. And um, and so I so I, I wrote it. I kind of like it. You really have, and you really have to think about it. Like it's like a like each tweet is sort of a chapter in a book where there's a little cliffhanger at the end that like kind of leads you to the next one. And, um, and so, I, yeah, I worked pretty hard on that. I think I must spend a day or two on that. And then, um, and just getting the right images. And, and, and then I also ran it by a bunch of my colleagues uh, for kind of, I mean, I don't know, like, like fact, checking reason and like sort of sensibility and gut checking kind of reasons. And then, I, and then I fact checked it myself. And I, so I, I put in a lot of work into that tweet thread in particular. And then when I did it, that actually, that tweet thread, I think out of all the things I've ever made, including the TV show and the radio lab episodes, I think that show has had more impressions than anything else I've ever made, um, which is kind of cool. Um, and, and it's something I'm really proud of. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think it was, and yeah, like, to me, that was a really powerful and special story. And then I think it was also about timing. It's like one of the things that made it sort of people like and respond and share it so much was because it came out right before the election. So it was like hit the sweet spot of that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just looked and found it. And yeah, it was the day before. So it was it's the day know. before the election. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's thinking about it, obviously. Right. Right. And, and in then, fact, I wanted to release it a few days earlier. And then my colleague, Lulu Miller, um, Lulu was like, just release it right before. Like, she's like, just release it right before. And it's true. People, there'll be less time for people to share it, but people will be, it'll be so immediate on people's mind. And it'll be so different from all the other coverage because all the other coverage is like the kind of horse race. Like, it's like, oh, this person's going for this person's going first. No, 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 this person's taking the lead. No, 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 lines over here along that, like all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, this is totally different from that coverage. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, it'll stand so much out uh, that just do it right before. And so that's what I did. Yeah, absolutely. And, that is true that like it's totally and I guess this is another reason why I really like your work on like politics and things. It is politics. Right. And yeah. It's like this is why it's human. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I think that's, to me, that's like, we, both in science and in journalism, I think we sort of, and in, and in history too, which is the other thing sort of that I, I studied and in, in the way that I think, like, I think we tend to, like, it's like we make categories and then we sort of fill the categories. Like we, we think stories are just one thing. They're just a politics story or just a tech story, or I'm studying just you know, biology or I'm studying just chemistry or I'm studying, you know, and you're like, oh, wait a second. No, these are actually all, it's all a big slushy, you know? Um, yeah. Every politics story is also a health story or a, a climate change story or, a, you know, this story or that story. Like they're all kind of, all kind of everything. And to me, that's the fun. It's like, I think in our brains, we all have these kind of categories and it's like, it's fun knocking down those walls and being like, oh, this thing that you thought was just a, this story is actually about a, that story, you know? Um, yeah. I think I, to me, that's fun. And I, and I do that in my stories because I like it when stories I read or, or stories I hear about, they kind of do that same thing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Same. Um, that's always the most fascinating thing, I think. Um, and you just mentioned this show, mm-hmm. so let's get into that. That <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, how like you again for everyone who's listening doesn't know everything about. <laughs> <laughs> so you did uh, the show on Netflix that's mm-hmm. called Connected. Yeah. Um, how would you? Um, because again, it is like it is every like it's kind of hard to pin yeah, down. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, um, it's sort of a um, I mean, in the in the lingo of the of the in the TV world, it's like a science documentary series. It's an anthology series, so every episode is sort of different. But it's basically about, um, I mean, the thesis is the title. It's like how so much more is connected than you think that that you are connected in very subtle and fascinating ways um to uh yeah to the world around you to the people around you to the you know um ends of the universe basically like it's like the 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 ways in which um yeah you have no clue but you're you're actually um yeah you're you're part of this much bigger whole mhm mhm that's yeah, it's exact. That's exactly how I would. I uh, finish. I rewatched it for like the fifth time. This week, getting <laughs> Thank ready you for, this. for rewatching it. <laughs> well, for what's your favorite? What 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 episodes do you like? Yeah, tell me about your favorite episodes. Or um, let's see. I think my favorite one is the one that's um I just watched yesterday, which is Digits. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's and um basically like this whole like order out of all the numbers mm. that you think is random. Right, right. And then you look at it and it's like, wait, is everything just ordered in this way and i had no idea right what is it's sort of spooky yeah it is sort of spooky there's some of it that is like when you sort of sit back and think about it some some of it makes sense but some of it is still like to me so so the idea for people who haven't seen it it's about kind of it's about the number of numbers it's about like if you take any giant data set like you take all the lengths of all the rivers or you take all the um all yeah like your whole tax return and you just strip all the numbers out of there um they will start the digit their starting digits will be basically wait was it starting digits or ending digits starting digits ending digits starting digits it's been a while um (laughs) it's okay i got you okay great (laughs) starting digits their starting digits will much more often start with a one than will with a nine you would think that it would just be random but actually it follows this like kind of really pretty curve like it's like there's this many ones and then there's this many less twos and then there's this many less threes and then all the way down to nine where there's like actually tiny tiny fraction of those numbers are nines um and the kind of the way that it was explained to me was basically it's like if you think of like a a volcano or like uh i mean whatever things like it's like 
most things like a river or a volcano or whatever, they, they slowly grow. So it's like, there are more things that are small because they have to grow all the way to be big. So it takes, so to grow from a one to a two, you have to grow a full other hundred percent, but to grow from an eight to a nine, that's just a tiny extra step. You've already grown eight and you need to just grow one more to get to the nine. Um, so it's only an eighth as opposed to a, uh, you know, um, a full, a full double, instead of full doubling what you have to do, you just have to do kind of an eighth of yourself again. Um, so it's kind of a, like it, it, yeah. So there'll be, there are more things smaller because it takes longer to grow to get bigger. So that makes sense. But there are a bunch of other things about Benford's law. This thing is called Benford's law, this sort of uh, observation um, that don't make sense. Like if you take, if you use money and then you convert all the money to a different kind of money, or if you use, uh, uh, you know, you're measuring in meters and then you measure in inches or you measure in your head size or you're measuring whatever size, no matter what, it's, they call it scale invariant. So if you ch change the metrics, like it'll still work, which is so weird. Uh, and that doesn't, didn't necessarily need to be true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just wild. And, um, and yes, yeah, someone needs to do that with Beyonce's stuff. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny. The number of people who have reached out to me and said, since that episode came out, like, oh, I tried it with this other totally random data set that nobody ever tried it for. And it worked. Like I I got um including there was a uh, there's a um professor at UCLA who is the head of the meteorite collection there. And he applied it to to meteorites to be like, oh huh, is this is there and he found all kinds of stuff. Like like all all sorts of people have found all kinds of different things and they'd never heard of Benford's law until that episode. And and it's so cool because I get emails all the time from people being like, I applied this to a whole new thing and it worked and it's freaking me out. Um <laughs> and so yeah, it's really cool. And so I wouldn't be surprised all that to say, I wouldn't be surprised if someone did apply it to, you know, Beyonce's songs and I, I wonder what they found. Yeah. I just I love that line in that episode where uh -huh. you're asking the person and it's yeah. like, can you Benford Beyonce? It's like, I would think if anything works, then it's Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, he was, he was a really great sport and he's, a, he's been a guy who's been obsessed with Benford's law um, for, you know, for years and years and years. And in fact, before even my time, Radiolab did a tiny segment about Benford's law. And I didn't even know that it's funny. Like my, when we were working on the um, the episode, one of the researchers was like, "You know, Radiolab did a, a segment on Benford's Law," and I was like, well, "Radiolab did an episode on Benford's Law." He 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 was the guest on the original Radiolab. Um, oh. uh, Mark Negrini, I think his name is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was he was a wonderful guy. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, that just that line makes me laugh every time. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, Beyonce works every time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure I asked this question because sure. I'm actually uh, interested in, in it. Um, yeah. On the first episode of Connected, yeah. uh, you're climbing into a pig pen. Right. And you, may, you um, say something like, this, is my, this might be the least halal thing I've ever done, but That's let's right. just do it anyway. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and um, not not having known the exact translation myself, I looked it up and impermissible basically. Yeah, yeah, halal is kind of like uh, it's like a um, halal is like it's like kosher. It's like like for Muslims, it's like the thing you're allowed to eat halal, and then the opposite of halal is haram, which is like the stuff you're not allowed to do. Yeah. Uh, so what I wanted to know about that is, mm -hmm. uh, honestly, just like, how do you personally look at that even? Um, mm -hmm. Like, because I, I know you'd mentioned like your own, like kind of philosophy on things, but like how, mm -hmm. in your perspective mm -hmm. on like things that are halal or, yeah. you know. How does yeah. that fit for you? Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, for me, so I was raised pretty Muslim. Uh, my family, um, 
my family was pretty is was and is pretty devout and like growing up like i still don't eat pork or i've never eaten pork i uh don't drink alcohol i don't you know uh there's like a lot of things that um yeah that like that are that are haram that are like not halal in our lives um but uh but also like my family were pretty progressive and and uh the um yeah like my i i might have even I, I don't remember if i joked i was like oh my parents are going to be pissed about this or something i think i might have even said um but they they really they don't care they're totally fine with that <laughs> um uh the uh yeah and and to me i i don't know i think like i i'm i'm not kind of militant about anything like like you know i like to me getting into a pig pen to try to understand something like facial recognition technology or even like agriculture or even, you know, um, w whatever it is like to me, that's, that's worth it. Like, like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand a story, a story that I think is really interesting and that not a lot of people are talking about the fact that facial recognition technology works on pigs. Like that's amazing. It's so weird. Um, they didn't even know they just tried it and they were like, wait a second, this thing we built for human faces also works on pig faces, even though we humans can't really tell the difference that well between pig faces. Um, this facial recognition technology could, uh, and that's, that's super interesting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's why we wanted to do, uh, 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 an episode about it or a segment about that in particular. In fact, the thing I really wanted to do with that segment, which we weren't able to do, um, is I wanted to get a really in-depth, close portrait, very emotional portrait of a single pig. Like I wanted to get in and be like, this is, you know, Montgomery the pig or whatever, and just be like, like here's Montgomery, like, and here, this is how Montgomery feels right now. And what Montgomery is, you know, like, like yesterday or, or, you know, Montgomery woke up and was in a really terrible mood because da, 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 da. like, I wanted to be able to say like, just a, like reconstruct a really complicated emotional life through facial recognition technology. Um, and like affect, they have this like thing where they can sort of sense whether the pig is happy or not. And they were making the argument that that could really revolutionize agriculture and pig. And you can even taste if a pig is happy or not on the farm, um, which to me is crazy. Like all of that stuff is nuts. Uh, and, uh, and I, I wanted, I wanted to get that, like, like a really beautiful pig portrait. Cause I, I mean, I, I don't eat pigs. I, I think pigs are like, pigs are basically dogs. Like, I don't think they're so much different from dogs. Um, they are emotional and smart and, um, and, and anyway, I just wanted to kind of make that portrait. Cause I thought that that was kind of, uh, interesting and, um, but, but the technology just wasn't nearly there. Like, so, so they, they kind of weren't able to do that. Um, despite the fact that I think they were kind of on board with it too, but like, they were just like, man, nah, we can't, um, yeah, we, we, like the technology is not at that level yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really funny. Cause now my storyteller brain is just like Montgomery got broken up with this girlfriend. Yeah, completely, completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And, 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 uh, the, their, their realities are so weird and interesting and different. Like they, they walk the hog in front of the sows, like when it's time to like, when, like mating and, and feeding and they're all like, they live these sort of complicated lives. They're mostly kind of staying still because they want them to gain all this fat and they're really feeding them a lot. And like, like, like I have mixed feelings about, um, factory farms. And even though this wasn't a factory farm, this was a research farm. So they were tre treating these pigs like extra nice. Um, mm -hmm. but still like, you just kind of want to, um, yeah, you want to know what is this pig thinking and feeling and what are all of the pigs thinking and feeling or, and, and they don't just do it for pigs. They do this similar kind of analysis, like, uh, either facial recognition or gait analysis, which is like walking or like other kinds of things, um, uh, for, for cows and chickens and, and, and sheep. And, you know, they do it for all kinds of different animals. They're doing all kinds of different livestock research because this is a huge industry. Um, and, and any kind of technological edge they can get, um, to notice, you know, early if, uh, you know, if a chicken is walking a little different, cause it is sick, like you want to know that really quickly before it gets all the other chickens sick. 
Um, and you, and now also another reason is, um, what they'll do is uh, nowadays, I think, I think this is still true. It was true at least as of two years ago. Um, let's say one pig is sick or something. They'll just give antibiotics to the whole farm. Like, it's like, like, they'll be like, okay, this is, let's be, you know, let's preventatively treat this. Cause we don't want there to be some kind of horrible, uh, you know, pig, pig pandemic or something. Um, but, but like, um, so, uh, so, so they do that, but then that's like, that's really bad. Like we're wasting a lot of antibiotics and, and, and that might be one of the ways that, you know, we're getting this antibiotic resistance. Um, so, so it's like, oh, what if we could know from gait analysis that this one pig is sick because the pig walks funny once it's sick. Um, if we know that, then we can, then we can really target, like it's this pig and we can tell by the facial recognition, it's this pig that's sick. Um, let's treat this pig and not the whole farm. And maybe that would be really good. Mm. And so you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty helpful uh, to all of us um, and to the pigs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just, wow. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff it, there. So yeah. Yeah. All of the things that you can do just by paying attention kind of and knowing yeah. what you're yeah, knowing what you're looking at, obviously. But. Yeah, yeah, and because I, I had seen a few stray comments and stories that was like the the way that I got turned on to that was like there was a story. Um, I want to say it was in the New Yorker, and it was about like um, uh, the use of this kind of technology on cows, and and but but and then I was like, oh, that's amazing, and I went online, and I was like, there's got to be some place where I could like see video of this or see like see this in motion, like how does it actually work. And there wasn't. And I was like, what? I just want to see this. And so I was looking and then, and then I found out that all these, they do it for all these other animals. And then the one place that was sort of kind enough to let us in was this Scottish uh, experimental pig farm. And, and the people there were really nice. I mean, the pig farms smell so bad. Um, but, uh, but the people there were super duper nice and, um, and yeah, and really hosted us. And, and like, we're, I think we're really like, it sounds so weird, but like they, they were really in it for the, for the pigs, they were, uh, trying to, yeah, they were trying to kind of increase pig welfare, uh, even though they were kind of doing research for like big factory farms and, and big farm, big, big ag, you know, um, um, they, they were still like, I, I was totally convinced they were doing what they were doing there because they, they really like pig. Something really beautiful about that. I feel like just that yeah, you can do a lot of good wherever you're at yeah. just like yeah yeah and it's perspective. It's, it's, I, t- I totally agree it's it's complicated though because there are a lot of people um people i think more so than decades in the past like p- people now um are very attuned to like animal cruelty and like there are people who are really really angry about factory farms and who really like we we got i got so many emails from people being like just about yeah about pig farms and like you're you're doing a nice portrait of like a horrible industry that does so much violence and damage and stuff. And I mean, I don't eat pigs. And in fact, the scientists I talked to, they, they were vegetarians too, I think um, some of them. Um, but um, it's not untrue. Uh, that's a, a pretty, pretty devastating industry for climate change, for animal welfare, for uh, you know, a bunch of different reasons, but it's also true that like a lot of people eat pigs, a lot, a lot, a lot of people eat pigs. And so that is like, consumers and everybody so I, I don't know like it's a big system and and i do think that there is to your point i do think that there is, like we're grown-ups and and there is room for people who work in even in maybe companies that you don't like to do things that you think are actually kind of noble and and interesting you know yeah absolutely there's there's nuance in that mm-hmm. yeah and like yeah we had in anything that yeah. I think just makes everything more realistic because yeah yeah life's complicated life's complicated people are complicated issues are complicated problems are complicated you know i i really do think that and i, I think that like that's one thing we really try to do in at radio lab it's like we to have we talk about having a kind of a high threshold for complexity like whereas a lot of other shows like it's like it's no this is too complicated like we're doing and maybe it's just because they you know it's we have a six minute, you know, window in a radio show or whatever, or like that kind of thing. And it's like, no, 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 we're going to really drag this out and get into the real complicated nitty gritty of this because 
because we think people can handle it and people and that it's actually interesting and that people will like if you sort of hook them the right way like then they're they're they'll they'll stick around for it mm -hmm. yeah um absolutely and that is an interesting um thing that like on one level i think people want to be like here's this really singular issue that you don't have to think about and you can just you know be angry or whatever yeah but then also there's the part of us i think that that loves that stuff that's like let me think about these things mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like we're our brains are literally geared to that so yeah. i think yeah yeah both are, both are um have yeah. their place but i think it's good definitely yeah. Yeah. to like give people the big things it's like now think about this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. complicated and you have to sit with it but yeah 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 and that, to me <laughs> that's uh i i think i like i that's that's the kind of journalism i really like mm -hmm. yeah same just connecting on so many things right <laughs> now and so one thing I wanted to uh, ask, because, yeah. again, super busy guy. Yeah. With a family, with, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but with all of the stuff that you have to do that's, like, work, how mm -hmm. do those things, like. Yeah. How do you do both basically? Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not easy. I'm really lucky. I have a partner who is uh she's also kind of a um I wouldn't say necessarily workaholic, but like she's also a very she's a hard worker. Um mm -hmm. and she makes big impressive things. Um uh and uh she makes TV shows and um and she's really good at her job and and kind of actually the 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 great thing about us both being sort of hard working people who love our jobs um and like maybe too much uh um is that we kind of we kind of trade off and really understand each other like we we kind of stagger our schedules in a way and uh that that if she's off doing, you know, X, Y, Z, she's on set for a show or something, or on the other hand, if I have to take a trip to Morocco or something, um, uh, like a reporting trip, like, like she's got me covered. I've got her covered and, and neither of us resent each other. Neither of us, like we know, we know, uh, and we kind of want to, um, cause, cause like, I, like I, it does get really tricky, especially with young kids who are very, very demanding of time and attention. And, uh, yeah, like, it, like, so, so I, I feel, I feel immensely, immensely lucky that I found a person who kind of with complimentary, but opposite, um, yeah, kind of like work demands as me. Um, and so, so that, that, that has really helped me do both. Um, it's like, and, and also on the flip side, radio lab is, like, and, and especially this whole move of like working from home, having a studio at home, being able to record at home, um, that has given me all kinds of flexibility as well. So, so kind of, kind of like, I'm really lucky in that all of the people I collaborate with, even the people on connected who I collaborated with TV people who I'm still, who I'm still working on stuff with, um, they, they're really flexible and really accommodating and really understanding. And so like, for me, I feel like when you find people in your like normal human relationships, but also in your work relationships that you really work well with. It's like, find those people, and, like grab onto those people and hold those people because um, yeah. Cause it, people who are competent and also kind, like that is the winning combo. Like that's the combo that then don't let those people go. Cause they are. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, cause why would you? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. What you know your shit and you're a nice person. How? That's right. That's right. That's right. And and like because it's like oh I've met people who are both who are who are who are um like like who are one or the other. But it, it's like it's like finding people who are both. That's the that's the hot ticket. You know that's the thing to, to then make stuff that you're like yeah this is worth my this is worth my t this is worth all of our time here. Mm -hmm. this thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
something that you seem to be very knowledgeable about, so I needed to ask you about um, poop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how I built up this expertise over years, but I definitely have this expertise now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just really wanted to get that question in there because I'm like, this will be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think um, like to me, it's funny. I, 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 I even did like so for the for Connected, we made a poop episode uh, and it's this number two episode, which we thought was really funny. Um, and uh, the um, the yeah. And, and it's funny, like actually after that, something else happened, which is that um, I got I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is like very poopy disease. Um, and it was kind of a w funny thing. Like it felt like it was like the poop gods had watched my show and were like, "Oh, you like poop, huh? Like here, have have too much poop." Um, but uh, but but yeah. So 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 I feel I feel like like it, I think it's first of all, it's a kind of a taboo topic. Like people don't really talk about that a lot. And it's, um, and so that's why I kind of, I like kind of like to talk about it because it, because other people don't like to talk about it. And, but it's something that is so universal and prevalent, um, not just in our individual everyday lives, but like in every species, like to be alive is to poop. If you are alive, you poop. That happens. Like, um, that's like one of the, it's like breathing. It's like, you got to get rid of your waste. You just got to do it. Um, and so to me, I think there's something really universal about it. There are things that are poignant and tragic about it. There are things that are funny and silly about it. There are things that are gross about it. There are things that are actually quite beautiful about it. Um, and so to me, like, I find that like, it's a funny, it's a funny little sweet spot that I, I have kind of stepped into uh as a as a journalist like that sort of weirdly become one of my beats um and and i, I yeah i think i think it's awesome like i think it's really cool cuz it's like it's one of those things i feel like when i'm looking for stories you you just don't want to be where everybody else is cuz like what's the point like everybody else is already covering that like and and in poop like it's like you get to a place where you're like huh there are way less people here writing about this even though it's like so crucial to our lives there are way less people talking about this than there are about you know i don't know some random press conference about a thing where there's you know uh you know 100 reporters who are all going to write the exact same story it's like no i would rather write about poop like um yeah yeah absolutely and um the thing that you mentioned this is an uh, episode on connected and mm -hmm. actually didn't connect with me that it was number two. Yeah, it never does. It's funny. Nobody else it's, noticed, but it's just like a funny joke that we no, have ourselves. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, but um, the thing that you went into about like there's bacteria in that mm -hmm. poop. Yeah, yeah. That can be so much more like helpful to curing people than antibiotics and things. Oh like, yeah. No viruses. Yeah. Viruses yeah. that could, that, that, that could theoretically kill um, bac bacteria. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and maybe not like it's antibiotics are a miracle, but Absolutely. they're a miracle that is sort of, um, I remember once uh, it was for a radio lab episode. I remember writing the web copy and I was especially fond of this metaphor we used where it was like, they started out being these like flaming swords, antibiotics. And now they're more like these like kind of lukewarm butter knives where you're like, uh, okay, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it kind of works. It kind of does the thing, but it's like not quite what it used to be. Um, uh, in part because we've squandered it. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, the, the, this idea, the phage therapy using viruses that you can get, you don't have to get them from poop, but you can get them from poop. Um, and there are a lot of good ones in there uh, that that could do the things that we really, um, yeah, that 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 antibiotics used to do for us or in, maybe that, you know, uh, past the limits of antibiotics. So there are a lot of people who historically were researching this phage therapy stuff, and, and there are a lot of people who are still doing that. Um, cause it's, it's really powerful stuff and it's an alternative to antibiotics, which who knows what the future is, um, uh, of, you know, 
I tweeted about this, but I thought it was the funniest thing and I'm the biggest nerd. So I'm going to bring it up right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's um, the cartoon Steven Universe. Uh uh They um, have these robots that look that are bugs Uh and they look like bacteriophages. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Maybe they were inspired by it. Who knows? Yeah. And but just had to bring that up because I was watching that episode and uh, at work and I work with teenagers mm-hmm. and I literally yelled like in the middle of the episode, I'm like, that's a bacteria page. Yeah, that's hilarious. The, the <laughs> I, I have that experience all the time where you see stuff. What we the, So the, we're about to put an episode out tonight and it involves a certain kind of snail um called a cone snail and uh while we were making it one of our producers matt kilty he was looking at the snail and there's a kind of a beautiful video which we're going to link to i think in the web copy um of this snail like how it kind of hunts and eats its food and uh and matt was watching that and he's like oh my god this is the monster from nope from the jordan peele movie nope he's like it's exactly the they may, like they had to have watched this when they were making that i don't know did you see nope it was a great movie i haven't seen it. okay it's a really super fun movie but and there's a very very incredible monster in it mm-hmm. um and he was like this has got to be it this has got to be it and it's like one of those things where you're like i guess maybe maybe one day somehow we'll ask somebody who was involved in making that movie but um, in the meantime, it's just like, you're like, was it, was it not? But it, I feel like it's the same kind of feeling as your Steven universe, uh, yeah. feeling you're like, was that an accident or was that on purpose? Or how did you do that? There's no way that's not a phage. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. Last two questions here. And they're kind of fun law questions at, right. at the moment that you can think of. What is the most fascinating fact that you have? Uh, at the moment, I can think of what is the most fascinating fact that I have. That you know. Well, this is one I just literally, I don't even, I, I, I feel like I need to fact check this. But anyway, so my kid this morning, he told me a thing that I don't know if it's true or not, but it's amazing if it is. Um, he, I know where he got it from. There's a uh, kid's show called Storybots, and he watched it, and he got it from Storybots. So I don't know if Storybots has fact checkers, So, but let me just flag that. I don't know if it's true or not. But the thing he just told me as he was finishing his breakfast and I was going out the door to drop off his brother to school is he told me that um, if the sun was hollow, you could fit a million Earths in the sun. I don't know if that's true, but it's like pretty incredible. That is really incredible. I let me I would it. not want to be in there. Yeah, here, let me see. Let me just <laughs> here, let's fact check this in real time. Here, hold on one second. <laughs> okay, let's see. Ooh, research the is happening. <laughs> of the sun. Let's look it up. Okay, the volume of the sun is 1.4 and 10 to the 27 cubic meters. And let's see, volume of the... Oh, wait. Wow. Okay, so this is space.com. According to space.com, about 1.3 million Earths could fit inside the sun. So not only was my son, my son, right, uh, but he he didn't even go far enough. 1.3 million Earths could fit inside the sun. Wow, that's nuts. Nuts, right? (laughs) yeah oh wow well yeah thank you for sharing that i I didn't even know that my kid just told me that he's five years old i was like how do you know that uh anyway yeah really cool Oh, children yeah things (laughs) yeah okay what was your next question okay so the last one Mm -hmm. getting through it yeah um so this podcast that I'm doing, it's all about the like the connections yeah. and conversations that we can have that help us get through this like dark and heavy time yeah. that is. Yeah, I love the, the title of your podcast. 
Yeah. It's very beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so my question for you in regards to that is what are those people or those things and those people for you in your life that help mm. you do that? Like get through the darkness? Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I mean, it's so cliche and, but I mean, it's like my wife, my kids, my family, my friends, my coworkers. Uh, I feel like I have been very lucky in the people who I surround myself with uh, are, they're really good people and they're like fundamentally decent people. And they're, they're like, I feel like everybody, especially for example, everybody worked with a radio lab, like they're, they're all people who, who are like, who are like full three-dimensional human beings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and who you like and who are, uh, interesting and come from a totally different background from what I come from and, and, but who kind of, you can sort of find a kind of like a common like communion with, you know, and, uh, and there, there's something really special about that. I think people are, people are so important to pull you through the darkness. Like people are, it's so easy to just sort of collapse into your own brain. Um, and there can be things that are very dark in there. Um, and, and it, it's like, yeah, it's just like, like, it's like you need people to wrench you out. Um, there was a thing that, um, I read in a book by maybe it was David Eagleman or, but it's like this idea that like the, the brain, the brain is a prisoner in a dungeon. Like the dungeon is your skull and it is a prisoner where it has, it's in a place where it has no windows. It has no, it doesn't sense anything. It doesn't smell anything. It doesn't see anything. It doesn't have like the kinds of nerves that allow it to feel anything like, and it's like, it's sort of, it's dependent on all these other parts of the body to, to, yeah, to like tell it what's going on and to, you know, to, to like give it new stimulus and, and, and like, and I, I feel kind of that way about a, a person and, and other people. Like, it's like you're by yourself. Like it's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, you, like you need other people. It's like, like being, being alone, locked up with your own brain. Like that there's a kind of uh, like, to me, I, you, you can easily go to a dark place, but it's just like, keep, it's like, keep forcing yourself to find other people, to find the people who you who make you laugh and who, who make you want to find cool stories to tell them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Thank you for being here and giving your time and saying we can be friends. That was the, <laughs> that was we the can be friends. Okay. best part of my day. Great. Okay. Great. Bye. Yeah. Take care. Good luck. Thanks. Good luck with the podcast. Yeah. All right. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for joining me this time on How the Light Gets In. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. And if you can, take care of each other.